Welcome to the Shallow Dive on Koheles, the book of Ecclesiastes. Join us as we explore the treasures gathered by King Solomon. I hope you enjoy it. All right, let's take a look, review the Pasuk. Again, in Koheles, Yud Ches, chapter 10, verse 8. Chofer Gumatz, when he digs a pit, Bo Yipol, in it he shall fall. Before it's Goder, and one who breaks through a barrier, Yishchenu Nachash, he shall be bit by a snake. Yes, 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 yes. Now let's look at the Ben Ezra on this Pasuk. First on the word gumatz, kofe gumatz, digging a pit. Da ki gumatz echod The word gumatz is unique. It's one. There is no second. It's gumatz. one of a kind. The word gumatz in the verse is pit. It means pit, but there is no comparable word anywhere else in Tanakh. Gam ben va'ach eno. It doesn't even have a son or a brother. Linguistically. Uh, from a philological family tree, it's quite isolated. So, what is this? Uh, I know that happens with several words in the in the Torah Tanakh. What is the significance of it in that sense? What does that imply? Well, that it's a rare word. It's it's not something that's used often that we see, and the understanding of what it means is called from context because we have no other okay. place. Where it actually shows up. May may I try? Please. So gumatz meaning pit, roughly, and gumatz having no, did you say brother or sister? Son or brother. Son or brother. In terms of similar words. Oh, son son or brother in terms of uh, a word that is... uh, Related. Related. Yeah. And gumatz roughly means, again, it means pit. Correct. Okay, okay. The chofer, Thank you. Yeah, and the word chofer, that's the preceding word, which means to dig, comes up plenty of times. Yor mm-hmm. It indicates to us, it guides us to the, the meaning. Chofer is the act of digging. Gumatz, we understand, is what you're digging. Boyipal, in it he shall fall. We can piece together from context mm-hmm. that gumatz means a pit. Shehukemo mm-hmm. bar. Kara. It's like a bar, like a pit that is burrowed and shall be dug up. So first he's getting into the the meaning of the word gumat. So now he's getting into the broader context what is going on over here. It's plausible that this is going back to the previous discussion in verse 5, Kishigaga Sheyotsa Milifne Hashalit, like an error that proceeds from before the ruler, Sheyase Bemikra, some event that happened seemingly inadvertently, randomly, Vechofer Yora Alignano, and this digging indicates. So what is going on? 
that we're describing a ruler who does something that is literally the opposite of the truth. In English, it's called a politician. <laughs> so, that this, this verse describing the digging of the pit, the one who digs the pit mm-hmm. shall fall into it, mm-hmm. it's going back to the ruler who does something mm-hmm. that seems to be an error, mm-hmm. which, as the Ebenezer said before, sometimes in the dirty world of politics, mm-hmm. things are not as they seem. Mm-hmm. Sometimes fact is stranger than fiction, and what appears to be an error is done intentionally or mm-hmm. the other way around mm-hmm. sometimes. The warning comes forth, certainly, from this verse, that if this is talking about a lying, deceptive politician, so he digs the pit, he'll fall into it. Mm-hmm. That sometimes what they engage in, what he calls the opposite of the truth, mm-hmm. this has consequences. Mm-hmm. This is referring to the ruler that does the opposite of the truth. Poritz Gader, and the one who breaks through the boundary, the, the wall, Kanuhu Chachamim Kadmonim. This is a way of re- referring to him by our earlier wise ones. So, how do you refer to this politician? It's Poritz Gader. He's breaking through what should be a barrier. <clears> oh, <throat> so, so that's, he, he's putting the two together. He's saying that there's a couplet here. One is the one who digs the pit shall fall into it, and the one who breaks through the barrier shall be bit by a snake. It's a couplet describing two similar metaphors for the politician that does the opposite of the truth. Mm-hmm. This is the anticipated consequence. Or perhaps, while I go back to verse 5, you could go to verse 6. Nitan Asechel, which is describing the ascension of the fools. Or verse 7, which also seems to be the, the slaves on the horses. We have Another angle on this, the Ibn Ezra says, going on the fool, Even though you find sometimes in the world things that are the opposite of the truth, it's not the rule, it's the exception. What happens most of the time? Most of the time, a guy digs a pit, he'll fall into it. Most of the time, what seems to be the opposite of the truth is not sustainable. It, it, it ends up collapsing. It's not going to have a, a long-term stability, generally speaking. So you have sometimes, surprisingly, but that's the exception, not the rule. And Rabbi, we're, to be clear, we're reading Solomon's words here. This is the Ibn Ezra's explanation of Solomon's words. I understand. And the wise who sees what will be born, literally, the consequences, will not fall into the pit. The wise have the eyes in his head. He sees 
He's not going to fall into the pit. He's not going to dig a pit. He's going to stick to the truth and not be entrapped in the mess that he created with the opposite of truth. Is it possible, um, when Solomon is writing in this wisdom tradition, is he uh, showing us what is necessarily um, the logical consequence of the statements? In other words, if you dig a pit, it's necessary that you fall into it. Not necessary. He says it's the general anticipated consequence. It doesn't have to happen. He's saying just in general. You can have exceptions. He's saying this is what you should expect, though. Mm -hmm. not, not every expectation is met, mm -hmm. but you can cultivate a reasonable expectation based on what you see. Is it possible to rule in a direct, straightforward, simple manner? Is that what he's... That's a good question. Is it possible to do so? So the Ibn Ezra says in verse 5, Ki hamoshel titzchichenu memshalto sheyasadvarm hefachemes. For the ruler, sometimes his domain, his, his dominion requires that he do things that are the opposite of the truth. Okay. It does sound that the pragmatic needs can sometimes put him in a, in a strange corner legitimately. That's what it appears mm -hmm. from the Ibn Ezra. He doesn't say so with condemnation. He says, And the impression will be made that something happened by accident without his knowledge when that wasn't the case. And following from that then, is he saying this is a pit that he will fall into? In general, mm -hmm. if this if this becomes abused, okay. if it's not yes. actually a necessity, if it's <clears throat> it, that's what he said. In general, that's yeah. not the case. It, okay. It's a, it's a rarity. Mm -hmm. right. <clears throat> one who is digging the pits tends yeah. to be entrapped within them. Right. That's the Ibn Ezra's explanation over mm -hmm. here. And that with wisdom, th there seems to be a measure of protection. Mm -hmm. he, he won't become entrapped through the wisdom. Presumably, he can largely avoid mm -hmm. this subterfuge. Okay. So this can still occur, but if it's done and handled wisely, then it can still um, have a... Um, Beneficial, righteous effect. Yes. Without harming. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, certainly this transcends the politics of any one country or any one time. This, this is a general, generally relevant framework. Yeah. Okay. So how might this, uh, how might what we're learning here um, apply to the current situation then for our benefit, for our understanding? In practical application, as you use those terms. Well, you say practical application, it, it's the, the practical application generally would be geared towards a person in a position of power to be cognizant of the rare but sometimes legitimate use 
of giving an impression that is not consistent with the reality. Mm -hmm. And the fact that doing so is potentially dangerous. Mm -hmm. That's that's who it's generally geared toward. Of course, on the more broader uh, individual level, we do find, for example, Mm -hmm. the story of Esther. Mm -hmm. Oh, The story of Esther Mm -hmm. that in a certain sense, she sacrificed herself, her own mm-hmm. continued relationship with Mordechai, mm-hmm. in order to save the Jewish people. So we do find, yeah. on occasion, wow. such a potential. What do you think would be the determining factor that would make a, a person decide yes or no to do this in that sense? Then? What would justify their decision to to take that risk what principle would you from Torah? In, in general it, it would be within the framework of the ace lasso slash that at a time to do for God there can be on occasion in a temporary sense activities that are sanctioned that are not consistent with Torah law mm-hmm. so that is specifically when that typical violation would be seen as the only course of action that could actually save the Torah. Okay. So this is if if the bitulo zeukiyumo, if the negation is how to preserve, then that would be a framework where you wouldn't say, in a broad sense, distance yourself from falsehood. You're supposed to distance yourself from falsehood. That's the rule. But like any rule, if the consequence of following that rule Mm -hmm. would be destructive to the whole framework, then the the Torah recognizes that's not for everybody to come up with on their own. You have to be Chacham Gadol to legitimately apply Eis Lasos Lashem, the time to do for God, Heferus Hersecha, to undermine the Torah. But only when you have such a circumstance do, do you find it's it's a, like an extrajudicial ruling. If you, if you have uh, the regular rules of the court would say acquit, but you have in your hands a situation that's more dangerous, a menace to society, and they are confident of the guilt of the person. And that if they acquit on the technicality, it will jeopardize mm-hmm. oh, people right. to, to be at risk of him attacking again, for example. Yeah. Then there's a legitimate cause of You can have extrajudicial punishments meted out. The, the courts have the authority to do that. Recently, Jews uh, coming literally to, to the West Coast, L.A. and Portland and saying, Oh, I'm leaving Israel. It's too crazy there. It's too dangerous. That's not to say that there yes, aren't yes. dangers. Yes. There, there certainly are risks yeah. anywhere a person goes. Yeah. But on the whole, there's a, a tendency to sensationalize what appears to be terrorist attacks. Yes, yes, yes. And the run-of-the-mill yeah. 
casualties from car accidents, for example, yes. just don't don't pass the uh, the threshold of people's minds to to stir up a sense of fear. It's just yes. the cost of doing business. But mm, if see. you look at all mortality, yes, yes, is actually certainly more dangerous mm -hmm. to be living here than to be living there. What are we doing here? Let's go there. I mean, don't really, be stopping. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, isn't I mean, isn't that really the idea? Isn't I mean, in, doesn't the the Torah show us that God wants us in Israel? Or oh, I guess it certainly does. Okay, that's no question. It's are we, are we waiting for the Messiah to come first? I mean, well, a person can certainly pick up and and move to Israel if it makes sense for them on, a, on an individual okay. level. There's no restriction. As the Marsha points out in Ksubis Daf Kofid Aleph, that on an individual level there is zero impediment to moving to the land of Israel. Okay. It is our ancestral homeland, and as the Ramban writes, the greatness of the land of Israel from a Jewish perspective is not any particular feature. And of course, there are many great features of the land yeah, of Israel. That's but more than anything else, is that it was a gift from God. That itself is the greatest. It is a mitzvah to okay. Israel. To move to Israel for the, to obey the, I wouldn't say that directly. No, no, no I would not say that directly. The, the elements within which there are mitzvahs attached to dwelling in the land of Israel are, broadly speaking, either as a facet of agricultural law, or as a facet of. conquest, an outgrowth of conquest, you can have such an element, but just to live in the land of Israel by itself is not necessarily a mitzvah, although there's certainly uh, a, a good idea if you just look at that factor by itself, it's not the whole picture necessarily for each individual, the broader context of exile is as a punishment. Yes. So, right. th th setting aside the question of mitzvah, setting that aside, our relationship to the land of Israel is as a gift of God, which certainly, whether we personally merit to experience that gift or not, it is a gift for our nation eternally, and that, that is something that is unique. You're not going to find that anywhere else. Okay. It's, it's, Would you say it's redemptive then? Is what redemptive? redemptive to move to, to Israel then is to to pursue the redemption of God. To be is, it, from exile? is it redemptive? Yeah. There is an element of kibbutz Goliath, of the ingathering of the exiles, yes. which is a, an element of the redemption. Right. So mm -hmm. there there is an element of living in the land of Israel that brings the nation that much closer to the messianic era. Okay, and is that really at the now? Here's the thing: is like because I was young when this, you know, well, I mean, it had already happened, mm -hmm. but uh, I'm not really very political. But um, so, is the ideal of the ingathering of the exiles at the essence of the establishment of the state of Israel? No. When you say at the essence, meaning. Of those who established the state of Israel, yeah. they had very different goals. 
was not yeah. founded by largely speaking people that believed in God. Mm-hmm. It's, it was secular, okay, with an atheistic bent. Really, unfortunately, that that is historically the case. What was it? it then? Well, to to address anti-Semitism. Okay, right. That's good. But the yes. thing is, in that in pursuing that motive and the fulfillment of it, isn't that actually messianic then? In other words, what I meant by what I meant this is, doesn't that really fulfill the goal of Judaism? You might say, I'm a Jew. I want to address the issue of anti-Semitism. I want to return back to the land and establish a state here, a safe haven for Jews, and a arena for uh, political fulfillment to be a light to the nations or whatever, as another nation. I mean, isn't that in keeping with the mission of Judaism? I don't have reason to suspect that they were trying to fulfill the mission of Judaism or be a light unto nations per se. They wanted to be a nation like all other nations. Oh, really? That's what they felt was at the root of anti-Semitism. Oh, okay. So So they weren't really saying, we're Israel, we're going back to the land, you know, we're going to do it. Right, this is... Plan B, after Herzl couldn't convince the Jews to okay. baptize themselves to get rid of the Jewish problem. So, okay. okay, so make a Jewish state. Okay. Well, I mean, is it that simple? Do you think really? It I is. Mean, well, then, then in theory, you know, if you have a Jewish, quote unquote, Jewish airline and you have a Jewish country, yeah. so you're a nation like that, you're a nation. So, so then you won't be... A lightning rod, in theory. Doesn't it take us back to verse 5 for where, you know, it appears to be evil, but it's, you know, necessary and it's uh, ultimately uh, not, if you're wise? Well, I would say, in in, in a certain degree, the divine guidance of, of these events absolutely appears to be counterproductive at certain junctures. Okay. And as the Targum mentioned... Rabbi. May I, I uh, spilt a drop on my book. As the Targum mentions, the root of these errors, when you look at it from divine guidance of history, it's not that God made a mistake, it's that we made mistakes that pushed, as it were, the hand of God to present, to develop a scenario that is counter to the direct mission of of divine providence. So that that could certainly be an example that we we have God running the show, doing things in a way that are not the way uh, you would expect going straight through the front door. Right. But he's achieving his goals one way or another. Is this the difference between human wisdom and divine wisdom, then? Is that really what the issue here? I'm trying to find something, you know, central or some kind of a point of, like, measuring this. Okay, so according to human wisdom, it's not really what we would think it would be if we wanted to see the divine eternal plan, so to speak. Okay, Mm -hmm. but from divine wisdom, it might be only God knows he'll let us know. Well, he'll work with our mistakes okay. to make things happen okay. to fulfill his will. Well, let's not make any mistakes if we can avoid it, right? <laughs> it's similar to what the Ramam writes about Christianity and Islam. 
that the ways of God are, in a certain sense, mysterious, that he is utilizing these as vehicles towards redemption, why is that the case? Well, Jewish people made some big mistakes and are not worthy of being direct uh, sources of light mm. in that way. Mm. Right. The Jewish people became enamored with this, that, and the other, yeah. and were not uh, eligible due to the heavy burden of Jewish sins mm -hmm. to, to play that role in a direct sense. Keep pursuing Teshuva. Teshuva's a great idea. Yes. <laughs> That's the lesson today. Teshuva, guys. Okay. <laughs> Let's take a look at Avos Terbinosan, which is a compilation of Brysos in chapter 3. So Avos Terbinosan, chapter 3, Brysa 3. Who are you, He used to say, and this is referring to a Kiva in context. One who gives his eyes towards his wife that she should die. And he wants to inherit her. He's a great heiress. Lots of money. And he says, uh. I'd like to have her gone so I can have that money. <laughs> oh, Shatamos Visa Esachos. He says, you know, I like your sister better than her. And the Torah says I can't marry your sister while she's alive. So, wouldn't it be great if she would just kick the bucket? What, what is going to be the consequence for such a person? Sof koverno so. In the end, what happens? He will be buried in their lifetime. So he's anticipating the demise of his dear wife. Because he wants her money or he wants to marry her sister. Guess what's going to happen? He's going to die. They're going to. The wife is going to bury him. Yes. Allah the Kosov Omen. Concerning him, this plotting husband. Yes. The verse states, Chofer, Komatzbo Yipo, Pratzgader, Shananachash. Our verse. Our verse in Kohelis. He's got this plotting scheme. Knock her off. He's got bigger and better plans. He's going to be the one to die before she. So this is an example of the entrapment, even if he hasn't actually done anything. Mm -hmm. He's just no saying of. He's just giving his eyes towards this goal. Mm -hmm. His desire. Is that what... Uh... We would call intention, Rabbi, loosely speaking. Giving eyes, meaning intention. Is that roughly... Or desire. Desire. Even if he's not yes, acting yes. upon that, he's not yes. calling yes. a hitman. Even yes. if he's just yes. hopeful that this is what turns out. Yeah. The consequence of that is that yeah. he is bringing about this judgment upon himself. Yeah. He, he's digging a pit for himself. Mm. He's breaking through a breach. How could he do this? It's a certain taboo. And he is the one who will suffer from this illicit anticipation. Hence the connection to this verse regarding a pit. 
Yes. Yes, sir. This brisa quotes our verse. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. So this is adding a new dimension that it's even just within the realm of desire. No se eno. This is what he wants without actually acting upon it. He mm. hasn't physically created a pit or breaking a barrier in a, in a tangible sense. Yeah. And yet the consequences can be very real. Because I missed, uh, forgive me. So what did he do or not, if anything, uh, in having that desire that would make him culpable for the outcome? The desire itself is an evil desire. Okay. To want his wife to die is is quite depraved. Okay. And um, Even if but he, he was he was him. he was going beyond that and actually planning how to do it. Remember. Oh, even without taking oh. concrete steps towards that, he's oh. just no saying enough. He he would Agreed. like that. Agreed. So so <clears throat> that already <clears throat> causes <clears throat> fatal <throat> consequences for himself. How, how how is that realized from heaven? Yes. Of course. Yes. yes. So of course, death from heaven. Yeah, there's no, there's no court mandated <laughs> right. punishment for, for having a depraved thought. So, are there Correct. levels of consequences here? I mean, might you go like, well, I, you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, I would hope you've so. got to be a good boy. Shuva, like you said, Shuva's a good shuva, idea. Yeah, just all you be doing, Shuva. Okay, <laughs> be be a godly, righteous man in thought, deed, and action. Be returning. Yes. And, uh, I will return. <laughs> be a mitzvah 24-7, even in your sleep. Right. I mean, wouldn't that be lovely? Hmm? Wouldn't that be lovely? Is it possible, Rabbi, to be a mitzvah 24-7, even in sleep, according to the sages? You say to be a mitzvah. A mitzvah means a to, command. To be a, a righteous, a righteous. Certainly. A person can be righteous at all times. Even in sleep? Sure. Sleep, sleeping in a, in a sukkah is a great idea if there's a mitzvah to sleep in the sukkah. <laughs> As Shulchan Aruch advocates that a person should have all their mm. deeds geared towards the service of God. So if they are sleeping mm. to restore themselves, to have greater potential to serve God, that uh, itself is an act of righteousness. Now, you use the example of the sukkah. So is this, you want to understand from this, that we always want to bring it back to a concrete reality. We're talking about a mitzvah. There are some mitzvahs that are limited to thought or speech. Right. And many, most, are about deed. Right, exactly. Okay. So it's not ever just a, a, a good thought or a you know, pleasant uh, idea. You somehow has to be realized in real life for it to be true. I, I wouldn't say that. There are mitzvahs that are thought-oriented or okay. sometimes emotional-oriented. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be necessarily... Mm -hmm. An act per se, but invariably, those thoughts or emotions will have an impact on his actions or inactions. As it says, as we were just discussing in the father of the man and his wife, is that right? Well, that is a, a consequence of, of his depraved yeah. desire. Right. It's going to boomerang back on him. Yeah. Now, let's take a look at the Ramban and say for Mitzvah. We saw the Ramban mentioning earlier the idea of the legitimacy of rabbinic legislation. We started with it from Rashi on our verse. The, the fence that the sages have made, one who breaches that will be bitten by a snake. 
the Ramban speaks to this point. Let's see how he writes it. This is in Sefer Mitzvos, Shorash Rishon, the books of, of Mitzvos, of the Ramban, the Ramban. Nachmanides has a commentary on it, on the book of the Ramban, mm. in the first Shorash, the first root. And he writes as follows. Take an excerpt here. The Ramban writes, describing rabbinic legislation. There is certainly an obligation to accept rabbinic legislation after it has been broadly accepted. It's muskam, it is de facto been accepted, then that gives de jure legitimacy to that legislation. But the enactments and decrees of our sages as a fence to guard from violation of the Torah, the biblical law, they're not actually, says the Rambam, in disagreement with the Rambam, mm-hmm. a violation of the biblical injunction to not depart from the directive of the sages. This is just a smach, which is what we call a smachta. It is a rabbinic interpretation of the verse, but not actually the biblical interpretation. The din, And it is not, in actuality, on a biblical level, a rebellion to go against the legislative directive from a biblical perspective. The culture came Sham Rabahen, the over Bachas Mehen, Aldashu Osa Isser, Sha'ena over the Lavazet. And certainly one who does rebel against them and transgress any of their directives with the understanding that he is in violation, certainly he is not in violation of this prohibition. This dis- discussion is talking about punishment mm-hmm. for the rebellious. Mm-hmm. Not for the sinners. The there is a, a subtle debate about mm-hmm. the rabbinic legislation once it has been legislated how how does the Torah relate to the individual legislation is it a generic example of following the directive of the sages or is it specifically recognized as binding. Right, so th- this this question of how the Torah views mm-hmm. rabbinic legislation, for example, mm-hmm. if somebody inadvertently violates rabbinic law, mm-hmm. have they done anything wrong whatsoever? If somebody inadvertently violates the Torah, they have done something wrong. It wasn't on purpose. Mm-hmm but they have inadvertently violated the Torah. If somebody inadvertently does not fulfill a rabbinic injunction, 
perhaps they've done nothing wrong because the whole prohibition is to rebel against their directive. And he didn't know that that was their directive or he didn't know that, that it was applicable here, whatever it might be, if there's no element of rebellion, and that's is the there nothing wrong? Rabbinical uh, directive. Correct, on a rabbinical directive. Al-im dono b'mamreshalahem onish anidui kemosh shaninu. If we want to discuss the punishment of rebellion, excommunication, al-rabbi yehudu chasrashom she'akavya nisnader she'ein ambivalent about the rabbinic requirement to wash one's hands. So this is an infringement on the honor due to the Sanhedrin who enacted this legislation. Mm-hmm. The punishment of excommunication, that is all that he received mm. as a consequence within the jurisdiction of the court for his rebellion against the Sanhedrin. But there's a stringency against him in the punishment of heaven. Based on their statement, the one who reaches a barrier will be bit by a snake. Does the snake bite necessarily the... Um Action of heaven, is that what it's referring to here? That's what the Ramban is referring to yes, over here. Only, he says, the onish shamayim, punishment in heaven, uh-huh. as opposed to the jurisdiction of the court. Uh-huh. So there's a... And the jurisdiction of the court would be... Midui, would be excommunication. Permanent? Or Not necessarily. Okay. Not mm-hmm. necessarily. Mm-hmm. So one is just um, infliction of harm. Right, not, not within the framework of a court... Punishment, but mm, mm. based from on heaven. from heaven, from exactly. Heaven, yeah. The idea here that the Ramban is saying, well, let's let's continue how he speaks it out. He quotes the Gemara Eruvin, Chafala from Abayz, Kemosh Amru, that says Benatzilas Yedaim Rabbi Akiva Bebeisasurin. Rabbi Akiva was in jail. There's a rabbinic injunction to wash one's hands before eating bread, and he asked for water. Omar, He says, give me water that I can wash my hands. Amar lo, lishtos ein magin. There's not enough water for you to drink. Lito yidayim ein magin. You want to use the water to wash your hands. You need to drink. Drinking comes before washing. That's what they're saying to him. Amar lo, Rebekah responded, And what can I do? That to negate 
the injunction of the sages, mm. incurs a death penalty. Mutav she'emos misos atzmi, better to die the death at my own hand. Velo ever al divre chavera, and I will not transgress the words of my colleagues. Mm. So although not drinking is basically suicide, mm-hmm. but he was saying, what can I do to transgress the words, the injunction of the sages to do natil sidan, to wash one's hands before eating? Mm-hmm. He says, better to use the water to wash my hands than to drink the water. But isn't also uh, a Jewish teaching that says that suicide is, is wrong? Typically, that is the case. Okay. And this is an outgrowth of his outstanding piety. The sages, when they heard this story, said that if this is Harabi Kiva, deals with mm. the challenge in his old age, all the more so in his youth. If this is what he's doing under the pressure of incarceration, mm-hmm. in his own home, in his own autonomous living, how much more scrupulous was he with the fulfillment of the Torah, including rabbinic law? The idea of what Rabbi Kiva said, first Rabban frames it as chasidus, not obligatory. That's, that's important to note. <clears throat> but he is contrasting the punishment that can come about as a consequence of, of violating rabbinic law that is a divinely meted out punishment, not a court punishment. Court punishment is limited to nidui, excommunication, in this world. Mm-hmm. But the violation of the rabbinic command, in this case, in Tila Sedan, the washing of the hands before eating, mm-hmm. that can have consequences mm-hmm. that are consequences. It's a punishment mm-hmm. that God meets out because of the n- negation of, the, of that directive. Mm-hmm. And Rabbi Kiva says that's <clears throat> preferable. When he says preferable, mm-hmm. he he prefers that to use the water for mm-hmm. Nathiel Sidai for washing his hands more than to drink the water and not be able to wash his hands. So um, let's take a look at the yes, Gemara Erevin that the Ramban quoted. Darash mm-hmm. Rava. Rava expounded. My Dersiv concerning that which is written. The Yoser Mehemo, and more than these, Bini, my son, it's possible in Kohalas. He's all here. Be meticulous. Mm-hmm. Asos, fulfill. Sepharim Harbe, in case. Many scrolls, many books, without limit. Mm-hmm. Says Rava, what is this verse referring to? Bini, he's all here. Sofrim, Yosem be meticulous with the words of the scribes, rabbinic law, more so than the words of the Torah. Hmm. The words of the Torah have directives, positive 
commands and negative commands tell you to do something or not do something. Mm-hmm. The Torah has a whole hierarchy. Ase and los ase, generally speaking, these, these directives have lower level punishments for their violation. If somebody negates a positive command, with rare exception of circumcision and korban pesach, the paschal offering, mm-hmm. with rare exception, there is no punishment. Those entail courage, spiritual excision, but generally speaking, do not have punishment for negating assay. And losa say, standard losa say, standard negative prohibition, entails lashes if it's an action. <clears throat> this is in contrast to the words of the sages. The rabbinic enactments, anyone who transgressed the words of the, the scribes, the rabbinic enactments, chayv misa, is liable to death. This is the idea that is counterintuitive. How could it be more severe? Liable to death. Any violation of the rabbinic legislation, chayv misa, mm. liable to death. Mm. And that's what Rabbi Kiva says. The Rabban is quoting this Gemara, that although it's only rabbinic, mm-hmm. and to not drink the water is risking his life to a degree, mm-hmm. But he's treating the words of the scribes with such respect that he does not want to transgress those. The consequences right. are, are too staggering. Yeah. Kiva, in his yeah. remarkable piety, does not want to take that risk. The Maharal explains why this is so. He says... As we've mentioned before, the, the ways of God are mysterious, are beyond us. We cannot truly fathom God, and we are limited in our comprehension of Him and His ways. In contrast, rabbinic legislation is of human origin, by definition. And as such, the consequences are more immediate. That's what the Maral explains. The consequences of violation of divine law don't necessarily need to have an immediate effect. It can be remote. Just as they are remote from our understanding, the consequences can be remote. doesn't mean they won't come about, but it is not with immediacy necessarily. Whereas the rabbinic law, which is rooted in human understanding, has an immediacy and the added concern is not because of a greater authority of course the authority of the, the sages is not greater than the authority of the Torah at best it is mandated by the Torah depending on how you learn it like the Ramam, the Ramban but it is certainly not greater there's no question about that but the consequences of the violation of Divrei Sofrim of rabbinic law that has an immediacy which the, the Gemara says as Chayv Misa, as liable to death, mm-hmm. the, the consequence, like the Ramban said, is, is, is something that we would expect because of its source within our realm to 
to be immediate. The, the, the closer something is to us, he says, the, the more we can anticipate and uh, ex expect to have the, the uh, cause and effect be manifest on something that is within our ability to fully comprehend. And rabbinic law is something we can fully comprehend. Mm -hmm. So we're more responsible for that which is more understandable. Well, more when you say more responsible, more liable, you could say, okay. in, in a sense of, of the immediacy, of the immediacy. immediacy. That's what he's saying. Yeah. The, in what sense is it not so? Okay, you're saying in immediacy, but in what other sense would it not be so? <clears throat> in theory, like, you could have said that it, it's only reserved for the hereafter. Oh, okay. He's saying the Maral says no. Right. In as much as it's rooted here and now in human logic, it, it, the consequences <clears throat> are also more to be expected and to, to be immediately felt. The repercussions of the violation are also immediate and uh, readily perceivable. In the case of uh, Rabbi Akiva here, then would you say, is it fair to say that he's saying, I, I'm taking a better risk by washing my hands than I am by drinking the water? So the Ramban says this is a, a, a remarkable piety. It is yes. not the law. Oh, it's not. No. The law is that he would drink the water and give up on washing his hands. Right, okay. That if, is the law. If he chooses the pious way, um, does it become an obligation to him because he chose it? I would I would say the opposite. The Tosu says in Tainas Dafidalek, that one who is a chassid is one who is pious is required to the standard of piety. Mm -hmm. Okay. So based on his piety, he has a certain standard that he's oh, held okay. to. Okay. So his piety is not based on his understanding. His understanding is based on his piety or his action. His his, right. His choice is is predicated on his his, his pious. Exceptional piety. Exceptional piety. Right. Okay. And, and that the Tosa says that that can be even an expectation of somebody in that caliber. Mm -hmm. So it's not it's not an act of foolishness then, or a choice of foolishness. Correct. Nobody Nobody's saying that he's being foolish, okay. even if it's not the law. Okay. Right. And what do you think, um, as, can I ask for an opinion? Please. In your opinion, um, what is the more desirable choice? What or what? The law or the piety, in oh. your opinion. When you say more desirable choice, <clears throat> for who? Okay. The answer is in the question. Thank you. <laughs> okay, let's take a look at the Medrash. The Kohala Shrabah. On this verse, when he digs a pit, within it he shall fall. This is referring to the wicked Pharaoh. That he decreed all the sons that are born of the Jews should be cast into the Nile. And the consequence for him was that he was tossed. Pharaoh and his hordes were tossed into the Sea of Reeds. These, by the splitting of the sea, they didn't quite get the same protection that the Jewish people did. 
and his decree to harm the Jewish people by casting them into the Nile River was a source of his own judgment to be tossed into the Sea of Reeds, him and his army. <clears throat> Alternatively, Chofer Gumatz, one who digs a pit, Zehama, this is referring to Haman. Shenema, Hashmid, Laro, Laabed, as he declared to annihilate, kill, wipe out. In it he shall fall. Shenema, as the verse says, Yoshuv, Machashavto, Hara'a. His evil machinations came back upon him. One who breaks through a barrier shall be bitten by a snake. Zodino, this is referring to Dino. This is a very harsh medrash that to some degree views her as responsible for what happened. Obviously, the primary party who is guilty is the one who violated Dina, Shechem ben Hamar, but nonetheless, she is held somewhat responsible for going out and in a manner that was not, not really befitting a, a woman of her stature. What she should have done was to stay in. So there is an element, a very small element, but an element of culpability on her part as well. The Medrash continues. Rabbi Shuma ben Yochai, Rabbi Ezubirei, Rabbi Elazarberei, Rabbi Shuma ben Yochai and his son, Rabbi Elazar, Havan Tamirin b'marato. They were hidden within a cave. Difikat lasas reishonin b'shemodo. Thirteen years. Bahavan ochlin charuvin. They were subsisting on carob and dates. Mm. At the end of 13 years, Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai came out. And he sat by the entrance of the cave. And he watched a particular hunter trapping. Limtsod Tsipart. He spread out his net to capture birds. Shoma Biraskol. He heard a heavenly voice call out, Omar Dimos, and said, Success, victory. Viit Pasas. And a bird was captured in this net. Shoma Zman Tinyonus. And he heard a second time, Biraskola. The heavenly voice come out. Omar, Sivikula. That there will not be success. We'll go free. Vishtezvas. And the bird escaped. Omar, Afiutzipur. Rabbi Shemurachai appraised this event that he witnessed. And he said, even a bird. Ibalade Shemaya without the heavenly decree, lo yivrach, will not be able to flee. The ability of this bird to escape requires the heavenly voice to come out and declare that this is what's going to be. Kol shekein nefesh barnash, all the more so for the soul of man. 
the soul of man, to escape from the entrapment of sin, requires divine assistance. All the more so. A bird requires that. Mm -hmm. Certainly the soul of man. Oh. Yes. The wow. Gemara in Sukkah, in Beis and Beis, mm -hmm. 52b, says, Amar Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish, Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish said, Yitzhar Shalom is Gavra the inclination, the drives of a person gain ascendancy upon him every day, and seek to kill him, to destroy him. Shenamar, as the verse states, Sofer Rasha Latzadik, the wicked gaze at the righteous, and seek to kill him. Verse until the Yetzirah, the evil inclination, is seeking to destroy the person. So this verse is substantiating that idea. And we're not for the Holy One, blessed be He, who assists the person with divine assistance. He would not be able to prevail. A human being would not be able to overcome the Yetzirah without divine assistance. Shanamar, as the verse states, in Tehillim also, Adonai, lo yazvenu biyado, God will not forsake him in his hand, velo yashienu bishafto, will not incriminate him in his judgment. God gives a person the ability to overcome the evil inclination. Requires divine assistance. That Lachara is the idea. This teaching of Rishlakish is a, a reflection of the idea that Rabbi Shema Bayachai is saying over here. That the heavenly voice coming out to declare this bird to escape from the net. All the more so for the human being, the soul, to escape from the clutches of evil requires divine assistance. Without heaven, he will not be able to escape. All the more so the soul of man. Yeah, go ahead. Yes, in relation to that. Um, so, is this like, it's almost like the, the wisdom is establishing a principle in action. The divine voice is uh, intervene. Is that is that the pattern that is being established here? In other words, do this and this will be the consequence um, in order for that to be fulfilled or not, the divine voice must speak. It's not just a natural consequence as though it's just a scientific principle or, you know, logical <clears throat> point, you know. Correct. It's, it's not uh, uh, like you said, a scientific natural law. Right, okay. Correct. And this is also the case for the consequences as well as then the um, uh, the evil inclination which uh, brings about consequences. Is that right? <clears throat> well, here it's speaking about the being ensnared. 
mm-hmm. either physically the bird right. or mm-hmm. all the more so the human soul being ensnared right. in sin. Right, exactly. As opposed to getting into consequences, it's just speaking about the ability to prevail. Right. That requires divine assistance. Okay. Inclinations and drives that a person has, yes. which, yes, can be somewhat biologically driven, not necessarily. Yes. A person can have a drive for honor, which yes. may not directly be a, a biological imperative. Yes. A psychological, perhaps. Yes. But that drive in of itself does not, it's not guided towards constructive purpose. It, it can be very destructive. Of course, of course. So the eight are hard. The evil inclination uh, is something that to be overcome yes. requires divine assistance. I see. I had a discussion with um, a a man, uh, a Hasid, or who's focused or studies in Hasidus. Right. He. Uh, we discussed the idea that God gives us our desires, causes anything from hunger to desire for. Hashem and knowledge of the Torah so that we might fulfill the purpose of heaven and we should follow those desires directed toward heaven. And that is, so if I have um, a, a desire from the evil inclination and I have a desire from the good inclination, then if I have the, if I desire to eat, okay, I'm hungry, so I want to eat. It's actually, there's a divine action going on in purpose that's fulfilling by eating, simply eating, okay. Uh, what kind of choice am I going to make, or am I given to make, between the evil inclination and the good inclination like that? How would I know? In other words... Sure, so the desire to eat, mm-hmm. generally speaking, would be within the realm of the Yetzirah, in a broader sense. It's not... A drive to good per se, mm-hmm. but it's just a, a raw uh, instinct, if you will. Right. Yetzahara means again what, Rabbi? Generally translated as the evil inclination, but oh. to be more precise, it means the incomplete. Ra means incomplete. Yeah. yeah. An incomplete as opposed inclination? It's the opposite of tov. Tov means good, but it also means whole, complete. Mm. So um, are we saying incomplete? Motivation, or what was it's it? incomplete in that it, in of itself, is not going to lead a person to align himself with the divine will. I understand. Mm, if I it's understand. not guided properly. And the Hebrew again was yaharetz, yetzahara. Right. Thank you. So then, if I if I have that desire, you're saying that in of itself it is not complete. What will make it complete then? Sure. So it will be completed mm. by eating the foods that will give a person strength to serve God. Holding back from overeating, holding back mm. from eating foods that are deleterious to his health. Mm-hmm. Okay. Eating mm. with a specific intent that is geared towards divine service as opposed to self-gratification. Mm-hmm. The, these considerations... Okay. Sorry that the Chassid and Rebbe were having a discussion. Mm-hmm. So what's the difference? We both eat an apple. Mm-hmm. I, I make a bracha and eat an apple. You make a bracha and eat an apple. What's the difference? He says, well, 
you're hungry, so before you can eat the apple, you have to make a bracha. So I want to make a blessing. I can't make the blessing unless I eat an apple. <laughs> Coming from different angles. Oh, 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 oh. So the second one was more righteous, is that what you're saying? He was the Rebbe. He was the Rebbe, okay. The Rebbe, excuse me. Okay, so, all right. Then, um, uh, let's see, something came. I, I probably lost something. Too bad. Yeah, just, just to speak it out, we say in Krishna, as our sages expound in, in the passage that we're meant to say twice every day. Mm that a person is commanded to serve God with his entire heart, right. with his entire soul. Right. The, the exposition is with both of your inclinations, the good inclination uh-huh. and the evil inclination. Thank you so much. Really, we we know, need to about this for years, yes. serve our Creator with all of what we've been endowed with. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, then, so, I lost it again. I, I had it for a second. Okay. So, you say to, is this principle of uh, performing an act to um, strengthen and complete uh, service to Hashem? Then is that, in these issues, is that a, a principle which is generalized? In other words, anything I do, okay, if it's going to benefit my health for the service of Hashem, okay, or if it's going to benefit my attitude or what my behavior, whatever it is, okay, is that a principle that is holds true right across the board throughout everything? I'm not sure what you're looking to include or not. In general, the Talmud gives us the injunction: Olam Person should always perpetually seek to motivate himself to do the right thing, even for ulterior, ulterior motives. Mm-hmm. Give Good. yourself the support that will help you succeed with what are your real goals. Okay. Create that environment. Create those milestones where you'll reward yourself in the ways that you're actually motivated to achieve what you truly want to achieve. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that is a, a, a means of, of utilizing... Mm-hmm. Those desires. What if I really enjoy a certain food or something, and I choose to do that instead? Not necessarily that it's even really a sin, legally, okay, but it's not necessarily the best thing. Okay, are you going to tell us? (laughs) I'm sorry. I mean, no, no, no. I I think I know what we're all talking. Yes, yes, yes. I want want that extra uh, spoonful of sugar. Or yeah, yeah. So as long as it's not harmful okay. to the person. Mm. Like Rabbi Kivega writes, a person can't make a blessing on something that's harmful. Mm. But why? Mm. Because God has not given it to the person to enjoy. But if it is oh. available for the person to enjoy, then they should utilize that as an opportunity to engender a greater sense of indebtedness and gratitude to God and speak out mm. his, his praises and to express that gratitude to God. That That is a, a valuable, valid Opportunity. Yeah, if God gave you a gift, so mm. is this a question of wisdom or law? You're talking about which aspect? Making that you know that that choice. That choice. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I yeah, that's one way or another, but it's not that, necessarily legally like you should do this. Correct. Could you say that, it's a little bit of both? Well, say law. It, it's within 
the Torah. realm of mutter. It's it's permissible. permissible. Question is, what is the ideal? Does not necessarily equate to anything that is permissible. There can be plenty of things that are permissible that are not necessarily ideal. <laughs> right. So that's okay. you're dealing within what is a legitimate means of relating to that which is permissible. So it's not really a question of halakha. Not not strictly speaking of motor also permissible or prohibited. Correct. Okay. Correct. Just just you know just so I know. I yeah. Mean, you know. Yeah. And if let me one last question. If, if it is not strictly a question of was permissible or not, then what is my obligation as far as my decision? Your Literally. obligation is to strive to serve God as best you can where you are. <laughs> good. That makes good, perfect sense. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'll Please. Thank you. Just a minute. Omar, uh, continuing in the Medrash. So Rabbi Shemrai is standing by the entrance of the cave. He's been stuck there with the sun for 13 years. And now he's moving on. Nechos, Netasai, Badein Moi, Dimoked, Betveria, Tachton. Istosim Badei. He says, let's go and heal ourselves with the spring, heated springs of Tiberia, Tiberias. They've been in this cave. They've developed some ailments, apparently. Stuck in a cave for 13 years. Might do that to a person. And he said, let's go. Hot springs. Amrun, Trichan Anulasas Tova, Unahani, Lalombne, Asra. So they did so. They did heal themselves with the hot springs of Tveria. And he said, we need to do something for the residents of this city. We've benefited from the city. We have gained from these hot springs. The people living here, we've got to do something for them. Okay. Like what was performed by our patriarch Jacob, Shanamar, as it says, and he set up camp by the entrance of the city. He set up a shop. Not sure if it's for what exactly he was selling, but mm. he sold them at very good prices. Also, it lists How is he going to serve the people? Open up a, a Walmart or something. Get get some. I mean, maybe not all their products are necessarily worthy, but the idea of getting wares, goods available for people at a good price—that is a service. He wants to provide this service. Mitzvah. Yes. This is a way to do good for people. Yes, yes. Are we talking about the same man who wanted to, who benefited from the hot springs? Yes. Wanting to do this? And he's harking back to what our patriarch Jacob did. That he also opened Mm -hmm. up a a Mm -hmm. store to give good prices to to provide for the residents of the city. He says, you know what we need to do? We need to purify the city of Tiberias. Ma'avid, what did he do? Esev, Turmisin, Makalek, Bishuka. He took Turmisin, some uh, various, uh, I think they're called blue bonnets. Flowers. And he, well, maybe the seeds of them. Oh. 
and he spread them out <coughs> over the marketplace. <coughs> and wherever there was a dead body, it ah. came out. And he this... was able to purify these areas that ah. were questionable. Was Were there any dead bodies that were contaminating the area or not? He was able to bring about purity to the city. And this person was named Tiberius? No, the oh, city the town... was Tiberius. And, and, and the... the person is Rabbi Shema Bar Yochai. Rabbi Shem. Shimon Bar Yochai. Shimon Bar Yochai. Question? Turmisim. Blue bonnets. Flowers that, that have some seeds. Very hard seeds. Called lupines, maybe something like that. They do. I mean, they can be used also as animal feed. They're actually a, a type of agricultural fertilizer. So it's interesting that is connected, I don't know, how bringing this and putting it on the earth somehow was able to bring out the uh, the dead. Mm-hmm. But in, in any event, mm-hmm. this was a way that he was able to, again, do a service for the, the residents of Tiberias to remove from them ritual impurity. Mm-hmm. There was a Samaritan there that saw what was going on. I can make a trick on this Jewish elder. Uh. What did he do? He took a dead body. After Rabbi Shem said, this marketplace has been purified, so he snuck in a dead body and to, to make a mockery of Rabbi Shem is Amrin Bigriva. Is to Amrin Bishuk Devar Kadima. The debate where this took place. Also, the Amr lay Dachise Shashak Balan. Did you purify this particular location? Amr lay in. Rabbi Shemarichai said, Yes, I did. Amr lay Vin Afekis Lach Minah Chadmes. And what about this dead body we found there? Look, there's a dead body there. Amr lay. Good homily. Bearing false witness, Rabbi. Well, yeah, he said. He said is, is, show isn't me. that basically the cl- a classical definition of bearing false witness? Well, it, it was a setup. Well, yeah. And yes. So he, he said, Miad, saw for Ruch Kodesh. Yes. Bishim saw through the Holy Spirit, Shutaman uh, Osasham, that uh, this fellow, this Samaritan, had actually planted uh, this. The dead body was not an old body that he found there, but it was actually specifically for this purpose of making a mockery of Rabbi Shimon Yechai. Amar Gozoni Aldein Devia Yakum Val Dekarim Evia. This Amri Gozoni Al Ila Yechos Val Ta Yesok Chen Havisle Nafakle Ava Kume Hai Knishta De Migdala Shama Kal Dinakei Safra Ben Yechai Dechei Tveya. So he brought about a punishment for this Samaritan for this mockery. And this appears to be at least part of the connection of this whole story that this fellow tried to make a mockery of Rabbi Shimon by digging the pit, so to speak, to Hmm. cause problems. Oh, don't rely on him. They purified it. He didn't really purify it. And he fell in his own pit. That he suffered the consequences. Rishon was able to see through Hakodesh, through the Holy Spirit, that he was making this mockery, and 
he suffered the consequences of his own machinations. So that, that's an example that he was trying to harm to take away this good thing that people was, would know. Oh, this area is pure, ritually pure. He was trying to undermine that, and he fell in his own trap. Was this necessary to proceed through these Holy Spirit in order to... How would he have know? known? How would he have known, right? Okay. Yeah. So that, is that prophecy? It's not directly prophecy. A prophecy is God addresses the person, call Marsham, so says the Lord. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, but I mean, I've also heard prophecy as defined as um, insight. Well, divine. Divine insight. Com- yeah, yeah. D- direct and uh, unquestionable divine communication. Okay. Whereas this is a revelation of sorts. A this rev- is a revelation yeah. of sorts that he's being exposed to. Uh, so it, it is within the framework of, of a prophetic experience, but right. not uh, of the same caliber. Yeah.